that they do from then on. And so I recommended that, that they meet violence with violence, that uh, Negroes must be prepared to repulse attacks, that they must be willing to fight, that they must be willing to die and to kill if necessary, that uh, there was no law and no 14th Amendment uh, to the United States Constitution of equal protection in the South, and that therefore they didn't have any deterrent, so they would have to create the, the, the deterrent force themselves by meeting violence with violence. Welcome back to another episode of the Act, Protect, Engage podcast known as Ape Academy. I'm your host, Mr. Chase H., and today we are discussing the philosophy, some of the philosophical roots and the ideas behind the Black Panther Party, why they did what they did, especially as the government, as state, federal, local governments began to crack down on the Panthers being able to carry weapons in the open. They really had to tinker with their ideology. They had to define really what they believed in. They had to define their movement. They had to make their movement separate from the other black liberation or black power organizations at the time. Okay, so who do we hear in that clip? That was Mr. Robert F. Williams. Remember, we talked about him last episode. He is the author of Negroes with Guns. Okay, it's a groundbreaking book. It was one of Huey P. Newton's most... uh, important books in his collection he got a lot of great ideas from mr williams mr williams advocated the armed defense of his community of his african-american community through the use of firearms and deadly force if necessary their community was being harassed attacked terrorized by a group of racist kkk members so he advocated self-defense The Panthers also advocated self-defense, but in a very particular philosophical way, okay, in reason. So we're going to talk about that today. I hope you, you guys had a great weekend so far, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Ape. Welcome, welcome, guys. We're back with another great episode. All right. First things first, let's do some housekeeping as usual. So, housekeeping. Please follow our Instagram at Ape Academy Podcast. Our main podcast account at Ape Academy is no longer, we got rid of that. All right. What we've been learning through our pursuit of knowledge. In our attempt to spread the knowledge of black history, we've learned that there are a lot of people out there that don't appreciate history, don't appreciate truth, and have some really negative opinions about 
black history and freedom. All right. So we're going to focus on the podcast Instagram because this is our primary focus anyway. All right. We don't want to be involved in any type of ignorance. So please follow us at Ape Academy Podcast. Also, if you could please, we beg you, turn on our post notifications. Okay. Well, your post notifications so you can get our notifications. All right. So when you're sitting there with your wife, you're watching forensic files on a Sunday night at 12 a.m. scaring yourself to death and you hear a bing, and then you look on your smartphone and you see on the banner, you see a.p.e academy. That's us. That means a new episode is streaming. So that's really important. Also, what's really important is that you subscribe because if you subscribe, our numbers go up. <laughs> Plus, you also know when new stuff is available. If you have a few extra seconds, we would love if you rate us, give us a five star, but be honest because we look at the feedback and I really use the feedback to improve your podcast experience. And guess what? Oh my God, this, I know this is a lot. If you have like two minutes, I know everyone is really busy. A review would help. This podcast is awesome. Like just that helps. So anything helps. Thank you so much. We really appreciate all of our listeners, both domestically and internationally. You guys are awesome. This is what we do it for. We don't want to preach to the ignorant. All right. Our main podcast page had 30,000 people. But what we found out was only a small portion of that 30,000 were interested in really learning the history of our country in loving all people and appreciating the history of everyone and acknowledging our past the good and the bad and i think that is kind of being reflected in our society in general we've gone through a really really tumultuous time racially right and culturally also politically uh with the uh january 6th incident the fights over COVID mandates, the fight over racial education in schools. And I think a lot of this is being reflected. Our focus here at Ape Academy during the month of February and really every month is to spread the true history of our country and history in general. And um, if people don't want to listen, if people don't want to uh really learn about who they are and, and what this country represents, then uh, we're not doing our job. So we're going to go and keep moving on, keep moving forward. All right, so that soapbox is now over. <laughs> okay, so today's episode is going to be discussing a few really, really pivotal essays that Huey P. Newton wrote. Now, the reason why we're going over these essays briefly, of course, we're not going into too much detail because it can get a little complex, but we really want to outline why the Panthers did what they did. What was the philosophy behind it? Because it's not just a bunch of guys, tough guys, you know, quote, brothers from the block, you know, with the cool leather jackets and the berets cocked to the right, and they had the shotguns and the 1911s. That's all well and good, right? And that looks really cool, and it impresses people, but it's not mindless, right? There's a plan Huey had a, a very well thought out philosophy that drove all this, right? And it really started after the event in Sacramento. Now, we talked about that, I think we talked about it a few episodes ago, 
what happened was what had happened was the the Panthers were monitoring monitoring the Oakland Police Department, and it was legal to do that. And what you had to do is you had to stay a reasonable distance away, but you could monitor them. So they would follow police around the community and make sure that they weren't harassing residents. They were doing it while armed. Now, if they were doing it unarmed, the police probably wouldn't give a crap. They'd be like, whatever, those guys are weirdos. But the fact that they had, you know, M1 Garand rifles, they had 1911s, they had high, you know, high uh, power shotguns, you know, 357 Magnums, that kind of made them on it, uh, put them on edge, made them a little uneasy. And it was legal, right? It was totally legal as long as you did not have the weapons concealed, you could you could have them in public, right? But from pressure from the police departments and other agencies, the California state lawmakers, they all met in Sacramento and changed the law specifically because of the Panthers. It's called the Mulford Act, and you can no longer carry loaded weapons in public, all right, among other things. It was specifically designed to strip the Panthers of their power. But ironically, it just made the Panthers' position more refined because now they really had to think now they really had to put more thought into their plan and really have some deep roots and kind of change their approach and all it did was make them more popular and all it did was really allow them to reach more people and through these essays Huey was able to really create an intellectual philosophical revolutionary powerhouse right because his thinking was really, really just, it was outstanding. It, it, was, it, was, it was complex, but it was simple at the same time. So we're going to talk about it today. All right. We got three sources. Revolutionary Suicide, the autobiography of Huey P. Newton, written by Huey P. P. Newton, of course. Black Against Empire by Joshua Bloom and Waldo E. Martin Jr. and To Die for the People by Huey P. Newton. To Die for the People is a kind of collection of his speeches, his letters, his essays, and some of his writings, okay? So that was a really, really awesome read, okay? That was great. I loved reading it. All right, so let's get started. Following the Sacramento standoff and the adoption of the Mulford Act, we talked about that a second ago, which was a legal statute aimed at curbing Black Panther power in California, the leadership of the party found themselves in an ironic and kind of strange predicament. On the strength of their unprecedented ability to hold police accountable through armed self-defense, they had thrust themselves into the center of a very heated debate about how to define black power and also how to define the black liberation struggle. What they were doing was they were attempting to address the question of how to confront these issues now that the civil rights movement had run its course. You know, the civil rights movement had achieved a lot on the federal level, but they were still really struggling implementing change on the local level. Ironically, right, the same tactics that were so important to making the Panthers very, very effective, the armed philosophy that helped, def helped define, helped give answers to these very, very broad questions of what is black power and what is resistance, they had at least on the surface backfired, right? Their power had supposedly been taken from them by the state. This wasn't true, though. 
How would the Black Panthers continue to mobilize the quote brothers on the block without the legal support and the and the and the ability to publicly arm themselves? Legal costs were beginning to mount, bail payments, attorney fees, and they were all stemming from the Sacramento incident. They threatened to bankrupt the young organization. Huey and Bobby Seale, they needed a new vision. Well, maybe not new, but a more defined philosophy. It wasn't enough to simply confront the police with a shotgun and a law book. Now the Panthers needed a philosophy that was rooted in something other than just armed self-defense. On this podcast episode, we will dive into some of the philosophical points of the Panthers program and the Panthers platform, okay? So where are we starting? We're starting in the summer of 1967, and this is when Huey published a series of essays of essays in the Black Panther newspaper in which he explored ways to transcend, to go beyond the tactic of just armed patrols of law enforcement. In his groundbreaking essays, Fear and Doubt, The Functional Definition of Politics in Defense of Self-Defense, and the correct handling of a revolution, Newey articul- Newton, Huey Newton, <laughs> I combined the two words, Huey Newton articulates a new type of politics, drawing from the writings of Malcolm X, Mao Zedong, and the psychiatrist Franz Fanon. Newton expands the identification of the black community as a colony within the American empire. Quote, he links both the conditions and the struggle for liberation in the black community to anti-colonial struggles around the world, not only in Africa, but also in Vietnam and elsewhere, end quote. Newton lays out the first part of his argument. So he kind of is trying to understand what has created these, these conditions, what internal and external factors have created the conditions that the black community was in now. So he starts off with his argument in fear and doubt. In this, in this essay, he analyzes the psychological dimensions of ghettoization, right? That's what he calls it. Specifically, the destructive impact it has on black men. Quote, the lower socioeconomic black male is a man of confusion. He faces a hostile environment and is not sure that it is not his own sins that have attracted the hostilities of society. All his life, he has been taught explicitly and implicitly, implicitly, implicitly that he is an inferior approximation of humanity. Newton breaks down the black male experience of ghetto life. He takes a deep dive into the internal conflict within the mind of a man whose lack of respect that he receives from society deeply impacts his internal respect for himself. Right? So the respect that you get from other people, you might not think it hurts you too bad, but when it's over generations and generations and you don't seem to be getting the respect you deserve as a man, it starts chipping away as in you, into your internal conscious, right? Your, your psyche. It breaks down your uh, self-esteem and your self-respect, right? The essay describes the way that American society denies the black man his humanity. Yet, Newton notes that the black man blames himself for this inhumanity. He blames himself for his own inferior position in society. 
finding himself trapped between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, he believes that he is innately inferior, that he lacks the innate ability to advance himself. On the other hand, he wants to believe that he really is not innately inferior, but then guess what he does? He blames himself for being lazy and not trying hard enough to not be. <laughs> does that make sense? So what he's doing is saying, you know what? There's something wrong with me. For all these people to hate me, there's got to be something wrong with me, man. And I can't get my finger on it. I can't put my finger on it. But then on, us, on the other hand, he's like, you know what? I'm a man. You know what I mean? I have a family. You know, I, 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 try to, I try to provide for my family, but I just don't know how. But then he blames himself for being lazy. So it's like he's compacting the problem. He's compounding the problem by adding this internal pressure on himself. Quote, as a man, he finds himself void of those things that bring respect and the feeling of worthiness. He looks around for something to blame for his situation. But because he is not sophisticated regarding the socioeconomic position he's in, and also because of the neg negativistic parental institutional teachings, he ultimately blames himself. Huey explains that at home, black children are told by their parents that all they need are the skills and education to improve their lives, to raise their social standing. They claim that they are poor because they were never really given an opportunity to have an education. However, the problem with that is they don't follow up. They don't follow up and point the children in the proper direction to find an education. While saying things would be much different if they had been exposed to this, quote, quality education, right? Huey writes that this is a critical contradiction because even the poorest black family actually worships education. But for some reason, he believes they are afraid to expose themselves to it. Huey wonders out loud if maybe this is, a, this is because black folks are afraid of being vulnerable to having their fears verified, their deep internal fears. Maybe they are afraid that even if exposed to education, they won't measure up to white students. Huey observes, quote, the black person tells himself that he could have done much more if he had really wanted to. The fact is, of course, that the assumed educational opportunities were never available to the lower socioeconomic black person due to, due to the unique position assigned to him in life. The duality of the black man's existence is discussed in eloquent detail in Fear and Doubt. If you want to read a really good essay, I suggest check this out. This essay explores the dynamic contradictions and conflict between powerful emotions like shame, rage, guilt, fear, and of course confusion. These contradictions permeate all aspects of black men's lives in America. Newton says, that from processing their hair to pursuing fancy cars to attending ghetto schools to being unemployed and fathering illegitimate children, they're all an attempt to show and prove their masculinity. So that's fear and doubt. That's our quick analysis and uh, summary of fear and doubt. It's a great essay. If you want to kind of take a dive into what Huey thinks about the black male psyche, and how it's been affected by poverty, lack of education, and lack of self-esteem. It's outstanding. While most of the black power organizations 
were interpreting the psychological dimensions of racial oppression, Huey P. Newton took a unique, targeted approach in his essay, Functional Definition of Politics. This is like my favorite one for sure. Published in the Black Panther newspaper on January 17th, 1969. From the opening sentence, Huey defines politics as, quote, war without bloodshed. War is politics with bloodshed, end quote. Newton believed that black people had potential political power. Although they didn't have traditional markers of power like land or means of production, there were ways to assert their human rights and to also gain political representation. The traditional markers of political power were denied to blacks, and this was due to their enslavement, of course. And it was also due to their betrayal by the federal government. So they were betrayed by the federal government also. Quote, there were approximately three areas of power in the political arena. Economic power, land power, known as feudal power, and military power. If black people at the time had received 40 acres and two mules, they would have developed a powerful force. Then we would have chosen a representative to represent us in this political arena. So that promise that the Freedmen that the Freedmen Bureau gave to the newly freed slaves of 40 acres and two mules was not honored. I don't know if they actually really thought they were going to honor it. Black folks thought they were. I don't know if, if they lied to themselves. The federal government said, oh, yeah, we'll do it. And they never did. But that would have really given black folks a lot of land power, feudal power, but it never happened. Despite the disadvantages of this lack of land and having no means of production, Huey believed that blacks could amass massive military power if only they subscribed to the philosophy of armed self-defense. Quote, the only way he can become political is to represent what is commonly called military power which is what the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense calls self-defense power. Black people can develop self-defense power by arming themselves from house to house, block to block, community to community, throughout the nation. If our desires are not met, the power structure will receive a political consequence. Black folks, they desire to demonstrate and determine their own destiny. Since they were fighting for political representation, the response from the imperialist power structure, right, who really wanted to keep them repressed, would be heavy-handed and brutal. Thus, okay, thus, the black community is under constant harassment and victims of violence by the, quote, occupying army, which is the rapidly militarized and expanding urban police departments an occupying army in the ghetto. Huey draws comparisons between the army of the police and the army in Vietnam. Quote, there is a great similarity between the occupying army in the Southeast Asia and the occupation of our communities by the racist police. The armies are there not to protect the people of South Vietnam, but to brutalize and oppress them for the interests of the selfish imperial power. It is important, we have to understand this, to Huey is it important for the police force to look like the people from the community and if possible, be members of the community they are protecting. This is a 
This is an issue that is still going on in 2022. There's a widespread belief that the best type of policing occurs from within, that police should be hired from within the communities that they are supposed to be protecting. This would be the ideal situation because it will prevent brutality in dealing with the citizenry. It is hard to beat up people that look like you or people that you have grown up with. There should be, there should also be no division or conflict of interest between the people and the police. Once there is a division, then the police become the enemy of the people. Thus, the police should serve the interests of the community and be one and the same with the people. When this principle breaks down, when it doesn't work, then the police become an occupying army. Quote, when historically one race has oppressed another and policemen are recruited from the oppressor race to patrol the communities of the oppressed people, an intolerable contradiction exists. And we see this in 2022 and we see this in 1967. There's no difference. By this time, the Panthers were no longer using the law to monitor police activity and bear arms in self-defense. These tactics have been outlawed. In the function of politics, he takes the issue of police brutality to a whole new le political level, right? Great essay. That is my favorite one. This one, this next one is called In Defense of Self-Defense. Number one. Newton argues that laws should be put into place to protect the people, not to oppress the people. Poor people throughout history have been the victim of laws more than the beneficiary of laws. Quote, laws are created to obey men. They are established by men and should serve men. The laws and rules which, official, which officials inflict upon poor people prevent them from functioning harmoniously in society. Huey believed that laws should serve men and that there is a time when laws may need to be rewritten to serve the interests of the people better. Rewriting unjust laws is a basic human right and a fundamental obligation. The essay references the American Revolution as a successful example of how the people in a colony can rise up and object to laws that aren't in their own interest. The American rebels, they knew that the only way to throw off the British yoke was to rise up in armed rebellion, power through the barrel of a gun. Quote, in spite of British conviction that Americans had no right to establish their own laws to promote the general welfare of the people living here in America, the colonized immigrant felt he had no choice but to raise the gun to defend his welfare. Huey notes how ironic it is that the descendants of the original colonists, people who idolized freedom fighters, the brave but flawed founding fathers, men who had thrown off the system of repression by the British, would then turn around and try to restrict the black man's right to abolish another oppressive system or even speak of it. The oppressive system isn't confined to just America, Huey wrote. No, no. There is a worldwide imperialist system 
that attempts to control and then crush third world nations. The essay claims that the American black community are the only people who can, quote, free the world, loosen the yoke of colonialism and destroy the war machine. Black people who are within the machine, they can cause it to malfunction. They can, because of their intimacy with the mechanism, destroy the engine that is enslaving the world, end quote. If black people raise up and they fight against the power structure, America will be unable to maintain their imperialist stranglehold on the world. That's a powerful statement. Quote, America will not be able to fight every black country in the world and, f- and fight a civil war at the same time. It is militarily impossible to do both of these things at once. Newton speaks at length about the urban riots, such as the rebellion in Watts, as a proto-political resistance to an illegal occupation. And he proposes that by arming and organizing residents in the ghettos of America, the oppressed can obtain power and they could channel this power into an organized military force. What he does is he rejects the riots as legitimate. He rejects them as legitimate forms of political uprisings because he believed that burning communities, throwing rocks, and attacking random citizens did not do much to promote any real legitimate structural change. Quote, we are, not, we are continuing to function in petty, Feudal ways, divided, confused, fighting among ourselves. We are still in the elementary stage of throwing rocks, sticks, empty wine bottles, and beer cans at racist cops who lie in wait for a chance to murder unarmed black people. The racist cops have worked out a system for suppressing these spontaneous rebellions. End quote. The loss of life during uprisings like the Watts Rebellion is, was not worth it, in his opinion especially when the authorities were looking for excuses to kill and to oppress. Rioting and destroying their own community gives the power structure all the excuses they need to inflict more pain on these communities. Quote, we can no longer afford the dubious luxury of the terrible casualties wantonly inflicted upon us by the cops during these spontaneous rebellions. Finally, Lastly, this is the last essay of the day. In the 1967 essay, The Correct Handling of a Revolution, another amazing essay, less, written less than three months after the Black Panther rally in Sacramento. Remember, we talked about that earlier, right? Newton asserts the role of the Black Panther Party for self-defense as the, quote, vanguard party, the legitimate representative of the black community in its struggle for black power. The essay describes the primary role of the Vanguard Party as providing leadership for the people for the people and the community. Newton believed that the party must, quote, teach by words and action the correct strategic methods of prolonged resistance, end quote. When the people learn that it is no longer effective for them to resist by riding in the streets in huge groups, and then when they see the advantages of using the, quote, guerrilla warfare method, they will quickly jump on board. In order for the people to be prepared for revolution, they must respect the party that is transmitted, 
transmitting the liberation message. The Vanguard Party must destroy the machinery of the oppressor. First, by dealing with them piece by piece, right? You can't bite off more than you can chew. This piecemeal attack strategy, the guerrilla warfare method, avoids drawing the full might of the oppressor and also impresses the people by giving them some significant victories, meaningful victories. The people need to see that the movement can be successful. And you don't do that by challenging the entire police department. You do it piece by piece, incident by incident. It shows that victory is possible, even if it is in small doses. It shows that the machinery of the power structures cannot stop the people unless the people allow themselves to be stopped. And they get stopped by grouping together and riding in the streets. The Vanguard Party has the potential to build black power into a viable force on the national level by providing important teaching and leadership. Quote, the Vanguard Party must provide leadership for the people. It must teach the correct strategic methods of prolonged resistance through literature and activities. If the activity is respected by the people, the people will follow the example. Huey believed that black people were ready to fight the police, right? They're ready, man. We're ready. By organizing armed resistance, he looked to build political power and gain leverage to address the wrongs against black people and to meet their specific needs. In the beginning, this had to be organized legally, of course, right? That means above ground, not underground. So there's a difference between above ground and underground. If the party starts off underground, they, they lose that legitimacy. You need that legitima legitimacy in the eyes of the people in order to really have a widespread impact. Because if you're underground, the people are like, oh, they're kind of shady. But if you do everything legally, Everything above ground, people can see, is transparency, and they respect that a lot. Newton's idea of the Vanguard Party is crucial. It's crucial in understanding the Panthers' connection to the people and to the community. He didn't want to just educate the people, but he also wanted to earn their respect. It wasn't just enough to educate. You had to work with the community and earn the respect of the community so that they trusted you. He knew that the black community would look to and respect the Black Panther Party only if the people believed that the party's main concern was their needs and their interests. These ideological concepts would come together to form the basis of the famous Black Panther 10-point platform and program. The 10-point program emphasized the needs and interests of the black community. That's where we're going to stop. So... I blew through those essays, but I hope I did a pretty decent job. Excuse the fumbling and bumbling. It's been a long day, man. I feel like I'm eating peanut butter. I need a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, so we're going over these essays because these essays are important. Now, I know it's a lot of philosophy, and I broke it down as simply as I could. But remember, nothing just happens, right? People don't just pop out, pop out with black berets and leather jackets and start chanting slogans, right? There's always a reason for all this stuff. And it's important for us to understand if we want to really know the, the nitty gritty details of the black power movement, we really need to understand where these philosophies came from and what the impact was on the community and on the founders of these organizations. Well, that's all I got for now. My voice is failing me. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the Super Bowl. I probably missed the whole thing. God bless y'all. Stay safe. Ape.
out. Uh-oh. Here we go. Remember, put God first and your family. Stay positive, y'all. Don't give up. Don't let ignorance get you down. It almost got me down today. The ignorance that I've encountered dealing with my main page. But guess what? I'm here to educate the people. And we're going to do it right. I hope you guys have a great week also. Tune in. We're having another podcast on Tuesday. Oh, fellas, don't forget. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. So get all your freaking flowers, man. At lunch break, get your flowers, get your candy, get your teddy bears. I have a beautiful date planned with my wife. But we cannot forget, okay? It's very important. This card is not important to us. Doesn't mean it's not important to the ladies, all right? God bless y'all. Stay safe. Peace. Yeah, here we go. Premiumbeat.com. Uh, 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 yeah, 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 uh. <laughs> Screw racism. Screw ignorance. Premiumbeat.com. God bless America. Land of the free, home of the brave. Ape.